Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at the Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders Association. That's TOBA. TOBA's mission is to improve the economics, integrity, and pleasure of the sport on behalf of Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders. Lots of projects fall under their domain. The American Graded Stakes Committee, the Claiming Crown, they do special ownership seminars. They have breeding confirmation and pedigree clinics, and they're responsible for the sales integrity program. They have a publishing arm that uh, has the blood horse, and they also have a charitable arm, the Thoroughbred Charities of America. To learn more, go to toba.org. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players podcast. Unusual week around here where we're basically doing uh, separate shows for the different tracks, just the way that it worked out with our various content deals and when we're recording. I don't want to hold on to things for too long. So on this edition of the show, uh, Jonathan Kinshin and myself will be going over the Saratoga Saturday, Alabama Day, pick six. JK, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's 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 funny how like how... Saratoga works, right? It's like there's this huge buildup. It's opening weekend. You usually get too excited opening weekend. Then you kind of have a little bit of a lull. And then it and then it ramps up for, for Whitney. And then Alabama feels kind of like a local weekend. You know, it, it feels like it calms down a little bit. Like the kind of the, you know, a lot of people, I think, that are diehard race trackers kind of make this their weekend. They try to stay away from Whitney and away from Travers. And then you ramp up for Travers, and then you try to coast to the wire after going after going twenty one and change in the closing weekend. So uh, I am in I'm in Alabama mode, uh, trying to stay in as much as possible. But uh, it, it's tough. It's, it's a tough. good. It's a great weekend. It is one of my favorites, and I, I think that's right. I feel like as Whitney has just gotten bigger and bigger, um, and Travers being Travers, there is a little bit of a calm before the storm vibe here this weekend, but uh, we got some great racing. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I'll be up at Woodbine, but believe me, I'll be betting on uh, both tracks. We're going to look at this pick six, JK, and it kicks off in race number six with these New York bred maiden claiming fillies and mares, uh, a race where uh, I, I, I thought of a few different ways to go. Really curious to hear how you solved it. What did you like in here? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of those situations, as always, where it's to chat or not to chat. And, and um, you know, it's just tough, right? Because this horse didn't take much money on debut, made in special weight, didn't do much running, but kind of got an okay figure. Um, and remember, that figure was earned as a two-year-old, right? So now you come all the way back here. It's a Klarovich dropper where you have to know that Chad has – and I mean this in a respectful way to, to, to Mr. Klarman, but like Chad has complete control. Seth trusts him to make the decisions. He can drop horses in for 40 that might be worth more than 40 because they don't necessarily fit what it is that Klarvich Stables is trying to accomplish. Now, there's also the scenario in which they can't run at all and they drop in for 40 and they never run, but someone claims them thinking they might be able to run and then it's kind of their problem moving forward. So it feels like this horse is one that can fit a little bit, a little bit here. I don't think it's a negative that Tyler shows up. I think that Chad has, you know, been trying to get Tyler a few more amounts mixed in with the Irads, the Flavians, the Joels, 
and, and the Jose. So I wouldn't look at it that way. Um, I, I'm going to use this horse and I'm going to use one other. And that's the horse of the outside, the 10, let me drink who I thought ran well last time, got a nice speed figure. There's been two horses that have run out of that race and one. It's a, I, I hate the outside draw, but doesn't have a ton of early speed. So I'm hoping kind of just take back tuck, make one run. So I'm just going to use the two outside horses, the nine and the 10, the rest of them can beat me. You make a very good case around leadership ability. And I did have in the mix, um, probably just running where she belongs. It's just very hard to trust off that long layoff and the drop. So I was going to reach for something else. I think the key question of the race is, does number 11 Arisima get in? Because this horse would be very, very logical to me. Has run the par speed figure for this level twice. Had the bad break, ran on great. I would definitely want 11s if she gets in. The three is another I wanted to have. Burning honor. A rough break last time. I think has more speed than that. Um, Timeform US has competing for the lead with leadership ability, who I imagine will take back and let uh, the three get to the lead. I'm assuming this is Pratt's second call and his first call is on that 11 runner. That's something else to pay attention to. Uh, burning on or another one. We're run the par twice and dropping. And then Dream Road, I was going to include for a penny off what I thought was a significant jock switch. Also just has that angle I like of got on the new surface and improved. Horses like that, to me, often keep on improving. I'll take another look at your 10, JK. But I had an 11-3 on the top line, 9-4 and four on the backup line to kick off the pick six, which continues with stakes action for three-year-old fillies in the Lake Placid going a mile and a 16th on the turf. Uh, stop me oh, if you've Pete, heard real this quick. One. I just, I just wanted to, to let people know you brought up a good point that I wanted to let people know there's an answer to the question that you, that you posed yes. on whether or not this is Flavian's uh, which, which one he has preference in. And the way that you can look that up is to look at the overnight. So you just go to Equibase, look at the overnights and right next to Flavian's name, it will say a one in parentheses or a two in parentheses. And you're right. His preference is the 11 if he gets in. And his second choice is uh, the three if, if the 11 doesn't draw in. Excellent. I, as we surmised. Uh, stop me if you've heard this one, Jonathan. In the Lake Placid, a turf race for Phillies, Chad Brown holds a strong hand. Yeah. And, and look, I, I think that, 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 you know, I think one of these horses is probably the winner. But because the thing the, the thing that people I don't, think fully get when Chad does this, when he has this, you know, and, and some of his owners get a little annoyed by it. Some of them understand it, but they've all reaped the benefits of it is that he is it's turf racing trips happen. Uh, horses get loose, pay, horses get stopped. There's meltdowns. And so, you know, I, he, he gets to be aggressive style wise with a lot of his horses. Hey, you know, this horse's best chance to win is on the front end. Let's go forward here. This one, let's take back. Let's make one run. You know, he doesn't usually put killers in with C team horses. When he puts in horses that you know, in multiple horses, they they you know, in Italian and White Beam. I think in Italian is a monster, but White Beam's pretty damn good. And and so I think when he does this situation, he's telling you that not one of them really stands out. I, you know, the interesting here thing here to me is that that a couple of these are dropping back in distance from the ten furlongs. You know, if you have a good if you have a good three-year-old turf filly in, in the New York area, you know, you, you want to consider trying to win a race, you know, uh, like the Belmont Oaks. And and so you try those situations, prerequisite and uh, a spray or two of those horses that I thought ran well enough, but maybe want to go a little shorter. So I think the cutback for those could help. 
tax implications I thought ran well last time. The one that I'm actually kind of against is the seven surge capacity, who I thought got an absolutely perfect trip last time and is likely going to take a lot of money in this spot because of the situation. And when you look at surge capacity, this Philly is suddenly worth a ton of money as a graded stakes winner because she's a half to highly motivated and she's also a half to a Philly by the name of Ways and Means. Mm. So surge capacity, uh, one heck of a homebred for Clarvich Stables, even though I, I think that she got the run of it last time. So really the Chads are all I need in here. I didn't think anyone else really offered much value or much interest. Heavenly Sunday, I suppose, is interesting from a pace perspective. But because Chad has four, you know that one of his is going to go with uh, Heavenly Sunday. And I would assume that it could be probably like maybe a tax implications or maybe even a search capacity. He's got two for Clarvich Stables. So I don't envision uh, a, situa- a situation where Heavenly Sunday gets gets loose. I'm going to try to use the three chads in here not named search capacity. And that's going to be my way to try to get cute from a value standpoint. I'm going to use a spray, tax implications, and pre- prerequisite. And uh, surge capacity with that perfect trip last time will have to beat me. Two, four, and eight for JK. I think that's, you make a good point. I'm also against surge capacity for similar reasons. I feel like the one who's going to get the best trip with one of the Chads is going to show speed. Um, and I, you know, Heavenly Sunday is going to show speed. And I think Glorious Princess is going to show speed. So I want the one who's shown the best finishing kick. And I think that's tax implications. I'm going to press that one up, hoping Manny Franco can time this thing just right. And just to the point you were making, Jonathan, about the multiple entries thing, it's especially with Phillies, there's just so much to be gained. You know, even the even the graded stakes placing for some of these horses can make them that much sexier for their next for their next career. So it just it just makes economic sense, even though it can be a little frustrating for a player to try to figure out who's going to do what. And, and, but I also think that's a great point. If he, if one was like an absolute layup in his mind, he may, maybe he would look for other spots for the other. So maybe that tells you that there, you know, you don't want to get stuck into necessarily a, a short priced favorite, especially if that's going to be surge capacity here, who we've and, probably and the, knocked into the winner circle. Yeah. But the other thing too, to keep him, yeah, that's fine, but she's going to be the favorite I would think. And if, yep. and if she's not, that's even, it, it's, you can't go wrong. She's either going to be the favorite and she doesn't have to win. Or she's not going to be the favorite, and there's an indication that maybe she did, you know, that she got lucky last time, and there's actually some that might be better. The one thing to keep in mind is that we had a lot of rain last night. We're, we had a lot of rain this morning. We're supposed to have a little bit of rain tonight. I would think, tonight being Friday, I would think that there is going to be some give in the ground. And a lot of times, it doesn't matter what's going on with the form. It matters which horse handles that ground the best. One of the things that you can do if you want to dig deep in that situation is you can look back in DRF formulator and, and look back to see how siblings have run on, on, off on, on, on turf courses listed as not firm. Cause they don't usually, these horses are so lightly raced. They don't have a body of work over it to really understand how they're going to handle it. But I think the more horses in a family that handle soft ground is an indication of which horses might handle it better than others. For sure. And you can see those stats in, in Formulator, too, on the sire side, too. There's a specific number for how their progeny does on wet turf. I suppose that's another reason search capacity could get hammered here, having handled the yielding going back in the grade three Lake George. But I tend to agree with you that others are so unexposed. I I, I wouldn't be ruling out. I mean, just looking at blood, for example, you'd think the 
you'd think that the tax implications would do just fine over it and did really it was only beaten three quarters the last time to surge capacity. And, and again, surge capacity probably had the better trip there. But yeah, lots of food for thought in race seven. Let's talk race eight. Allowance types, uh, fillies and mares, a mile on the dirt. I thought gerrymanders stood out in here, Jonathan. I think that uh, Joel Rosario is going to be able to get this one to uh, to shake loose on the front end and just is going to have a tactical advantage that makes her very hard to deny. How do you see it? Man, I, I'm actually kind of against her. I'm kind of tired of her act. Uh, I mean, she won the Mother Goose, and she hasn't won since. And she's been short prices a lot of times. I, I just worry how good she actually is. Um I just don't trust her. You know, I mean, she got beat by movie Moxie 63 caliber beat her last time. I didn't think she had much of an excuse there. Um, I want to have movie Moxie in here. Um, I'm going to try to beat gerrymander. I I don't need, uh, I don't need favor. I don't need Royal take charge. I don't need Mosienko. Uh, Nostalgic. I think has kind of taken a step forward last time. First start as a four-year-old, maybe she's going to got another step. She could take moving in the right direction. And then Misty Vale, another one getting back to Lasix, who's got some back numbers for Mike Maker that makes sense. Um, I, I'm just not a huge gerrymander fan. So it'll be, uh, what is that? Uh, one, seven, eight. Uh, yeah, 178 for me in here. Yeah, we'll be oppo here. I, I mean, I hear you on gerrymander. I just feel like this is, it's put up or shut up time, you know? And I did think it was interesting that uh, time form anyway had the track favoring closing runners the last day. So I think that run might be a little bit better than it looks. And again, I just, I just don't see who's going to run with her early, but I I'll, I'll be over her forever if it doesn't work out today. And I certainly respect your decision to take her on with the one, seven and eight. Next up the race that gives the day its name grade one, Alabama for these three-year-old fillies. I did a horse by horse write up of this one over at, at the races.com, but I'll give you the TLDR, which is, I think wet paint is the one of these who's going to be aided by the added distance. All the other key contenders, the horses I like on figures, I have questions about the distance. So that leads me right back to wet paint, who I think is going to get a great setup and be very tough to down in this year's Alabama. How do you see it? Um, You know, I, I, I have a problem with the coaching club, American Oaks for a couple of reasons. It's, it's tough for me too, because, you know, I loved wet paint going into Kentucky Oaks. I picked wet paint in the coaching club, American Oaks. I felt good about, about her chances there coming off of that biased racetrack at Ellis. Um, obviously people who listen to our show know uh, my love and, and for black type thoroughbreds, Jake Ballas, Swinbank Stables and Reagan and rooting for sacred wish and how well they ran, but that number came back slow. And that's just, it is what it is. That number wasn't fast. We've said all year long that this hasn't been the fastest group of three-year-old Phillies. And in fact, if Jake was here, I think he would agree that the reason that he wanted so badly to buy a three-year-old Philly off of the track during the season is because none of them were that fast. Remember, Faiza was like the fastest three-year-old Philly, and she wasn't fast. So he wanted to find a horse that had some upside because he felt like there was some opportunity in this year's crop to take advantage of that. And, and I just don't think these two horses are very fast. I'm going to try to beat both of them. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is that I do believe the Indiana Oaks was a better race from a speed figure standpoint than the coaching club American Oaks. And I understand that the coaching club American Oaks is a grade one at the greatest racetrack in the world. And the Indiana Oaks is not that. But I think that race was faster. And I think tax and defining purpose are interesting. And there'll be huge prices that will be ignored. 
But the horse that I'm going to pick and the horse that I'm going to lean on is Julia Shining. Julia Shining showed a ton of talent. And she obviously has an outstanding pedigree being a, a full to Malathot. She has an outstanding pedigree. She never really could figure it out. She was a grindy horse that took herself out of it and always created these obstacles throughout all of her races. And, and, and in the Ashland, they added blinkers. And when they added blinkers, she was suddenly closer. Now, she didn't win, but that was going a mile and a 16th. And if you know anything about Malathot, you know anything about curling, curling, you know that she wants to go a mile and a quarter. You know that her pedigree is screaming, can I go 27 furlongs, please, on the dirt? That's what I would like to do, please. <laughs> and I think that with this time she's had off, with the blinker still being there, and with the Hall of, Flam- of Famer and Todd Pletcher teaching her how to do her job better since April, I think she's got the most upside to take a huge jump forward and that's who I'm going to pick in here, uh, Julia Shining. I'm going to single her as a single A, and then I will use um, the 9 and the 10 as B horses if Sacred Wish wins. I'll be covered in emotion. I don't really necessarily need it from a betting standpoint. I just I, The race was too slow for me, and that's just the problem I have. But I'm not going to use wet paint either, so Jake and Reagan don't need to be offended. I just don't, I'm not using either one of them. I just don't think the race was that fast. I mean, you make a really interesting analysis and a good case. Julie Shining is one that does want this distance in addition to wet paint. My issue was just not knowing what she is at this point off that long layoff and and, uh, going out all the way to the mile and a quarter. But it could be it could be a plus. You're you're talking me into throwing some uh, some Julia Shining backup money in there. Potentially, Um, I was just going to play against. Uh, taxed and defining purpose just on as ones that I seriously question on breeding want to go this far. But I agree on figures, the figures, they look strong and randomized also look strong on figures, but just another one I couldn't get sold that wanted to go this far. Did you have a quick thought on randomized one you didn't touch on? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, that horse ran well last time in that mile race. Um, I, I actually think the other Chad Brown horse is more interesting than that one. Uh, just from a pedigree standpoint, the arrogate makes you think mile and a quarter. Um, no, nothing over the top. I just, I, I have a strong opinion about Julia shining. And I also have a strong opinion that the Indiana Oaks is going to be ignored. Um, yep. And I think the value comes from fading horses like, like wet paint, like randomized um, and like sacred wish who ran extremely well in defeat. So that's, that's kind of my view of the race. We're doing this pre-workout report. Have you heard anything about how Julia Shining is training? Because to me, that's sort of the known unknown you really need to address here. If she's been working like a freight train, you know, I would definitely want her on tickets. So if she's been working kind of just okay, I might go back to my original questioning. No, I've, I've watched. I've watched. You could watch, I think, maybe her last four four works were, were on XBTV. And, you know, look, I, if... I either know they're amazing or I know they're horrible, but everything in between is kind of all the same to me. Gotcha. I will say that based on her style, right. Her being a grindy horse that needs to be encouraged. What do you expect her morning works to look like? Right. Right. Like, like they're they're probably not going to be flashy. Um, But the, you know, look, I'm sure Todd probably wanted to get a start in her prior to this, but the fact that he's going to run this horse in here, a, a horse with, you know, with such outstanding pedigree, um, you know, I think it says a lot about how he feels that she's doing. And especially like, like Todd's not jamming horses in here, uh, you know, just against Mike Rapoli. I, I have a feeling Mike doesn't like when Todd runs horses against his. So 
you know, I mean, there's probably other spots that you could you could probably pick for Julia Shining that would that would be that would keep your cell phone from ringing as much as it might. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah, I mean, it's there's really these two restricted grade ones for three year old fillies left. So to me, you know, you'll got to try if there's any chance. Um, and, and the pedigree is tilting in that favor. We'll see how it plays out there in the Alabama race 10 allowance stuff on the inner turf going a mile. And we've got 10 signed on. Who's it going to be, Jonathan? Yeah. You know, I'm really excited about a couple of horses in here. Verbal, um, you know, uh, even as a two-year-old, uh, uh, Chad was always really high on verbal. So I'm excited about verbal kind of getting back. I'm not crazy about the draw, but I do think that he's interesting. Um, I want to make sure that I have Whisper Knot, who I thought ran extremely well last time um, with a wide trip all the way around there. And then the four, Storm the Court, uh, a horse that has big numbers on the turf. So it's not like Tom Amos is like, like you know, un- uncovered some some idea that, that we weren't aware of. I and mean, this horse ran well for Peter Erton on the turf, gets back on Lasix and gets to run on the turf again for Tom Amos, who when horses move to his barn, okay, it's their first start with him. He's 25% in his career out of 2,409 times that that's happened throughout his career. Um, you know, horses improve for Tom Amos. He, 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 and, and so I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how storm the court runs. So those are the ones that I need. I need verbal. Um, I need verbal. I need whisper not, and I need storm the court. And then I will also have a B line with Rinaldi who, how do you not just love Rinaldi and what he does, especially when he gets out on the front end, and happens to get loose. I like the outside draw. I like the rider, the Jamie Torres getting the little, the, the weight break as well. Um, you know, he's going to, he's going to send away from there and, and, and try to try to wire this group. I was team Chad in this one. Verbal was my top pick. Feel like is going to get an absolutely perfect run around there. I don't think the outside post is going to be a problem. And then one you didn't mention that I'll ask you your opinion on. I thought Napoleonic war was kind of obvious and interesting second off the long layoff making the move into the hot pace off the bench in that whisper knot race. And yeah, now coming back second start of off layoff, second start is a gelding, just a lot of arrows pointing in this direction. And Napoleonic war is going to save a lot of ground. I did have whisper knot on a backup line as well, but curious to hear what you think specifically about Napoleonic war. Yeah. The blinkers on kind of threw me off. It's not really a Chad Brown move. I mean, throughout his career, it, you know, he's 21% adding blinkers, but it just doesn't, you know, a lot of times um, in, 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 in these situations, like when you, when you do something a lot, like we handicap a lot, a lot of times you just kind of get these feel, these mm-hmm. feelings. Uh, you don't even know, you can't really explain it, but it's just a, it's just a gut feeling. I just don't feel like Chad is a bad blinkers run well guy. Um, especially with a horse who's established already, maybe is it with a young horse, you throw the blinkers on to try to figure some things out, but with an established horse, it feels like maybe, uh, not getting what he wants out of the horse. Let's see if this helps type of deal, taking a shot. Um, I, and I just wasn't crazy about the last race. I, I thought that whisper not ran better. And, uh, and, and like I said, I, I, I trust verbal enough in, in the, in the op in the opportunity for storm, the court to improve enough that I didn't necessarily need uh Napoleonic war. Fair enough. I, I, good analysis. Let's look, actually, I'll pull it up right now. What his, do you think if we just look at first blinkers, we'll see that we'll see that number like, uh, yeah, let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm close. Um, I got but I think it. That you want to do, but I think you want to, so before you say it, I think you okay. want to do age, uh, three-year-old and three, three and older. And okay. I think you want to do turf horses. Okay. Um, I like both of those calls. 
Let's see. All right. Let's hit it and see what it comes up with. I mean, the numbers are fine, but they're less than what you expect from him. You know, 23% wins, 56% in the money, which is obviously good, but just the 161 ROI, you know, they're just kind of, they're they're less than what you expect for a trainer who has such an amazing baseline of numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, 56% in the money, which, which is, I think, interesting. I mean, sure. 23%. um, He's a 25% trainer, but he's only the the other tricky thing about it too, is he's only really tried it 18 times in the last five years. Right. Right. Um, And let's see, one of the things I like to do when you're in formulator and you're doing this is to sort it by the winners and see if you can identify anything. They're all maidens. That's, that's one thing I'll tell you of the 18. uh, Let's see one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of them were maiden special weight horses. And yeah, twelve of them were maiden special weight horses. Somebody could really deep dive and take those out and rerun the numbers, but that we then the sample's so small anyway, probably. It's uh it's interesting. We'll see how it plays out. I'm with Napoleonic War, JK taking a swing against in our tenth race on Saturday, which brings us to the nightcap. New York bread maiden claimers going five and a half on the turf. How many of these do you need in your pick six? You know, I got to be honest with you. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would look at this two ways if you're going to spend a lot of time looking at it. And I would look at it from a, a standpoint of they'll probably come off because if it's going to rain tonight, if it rain all day, the, the ones they usually take off are the turf sprints, right? Because those tear up the turf course more than anything else. And this being a maiden claimer, I mean, I would really look at this for being taken off. Uh, I think the 1A for the Bond Barn, uh, a, a horse that has run over uh, the dirt going seven, cutting back. Speed, fade, going seven, now to the five and a half. I think that's something that you can lean on quite a bit in, in, in a situation like this. And then uh, the other MTOs in here towards the outside, uh, Blue Plate Special was another one uh, for Linda Rice that I thought it made a lot of sense. Maiden Special Weight. Uh, got a nice number that day, going eight furlongs. But if you look at the way that race was run, the cutback is suggested to probably do a little bit better. Then she claimed uh, off the turf, I'm sorry, on the turf, shows back up in her barn. You get Jose. Um, I, I think that the, the you know the other one that you probably want in here. Um, I just need those two MTOs. The rest of these look like turf horses. Um, I don't trust the Brad Cox horse, Henson. Uh, the horses entered in the, in the body of the field. Uh, but that was at Saratoga on a wet, fast track that, that I, I don't necessarily trust that performance at all. And I think that they'll bet that horse like you can't lose. I'll use that horse defensively just because I want to get the rest of this thing home. But it's it's going to be a single for a lot of people and it won't be for me. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I wanted Henson and the MTOs. I just trust Henson a little bit more than you, but also think I want 1A and 14 if this thing comes off. Henson, I think very interesting on either surface. Um, just off that race and the trainer switched to, to Cox. I mean, it's it just master of the obvious, but a horse I definitely need on my tickets. Uh, if there is, if it does stay on turf, did you have any others you might want to throw in? Um, uh, I mean, honestly, I, 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 not that I know, not that I've heard from anyone. I, I'd be shocked considering what's happened over the last three weeks if they run this race on the turf. Gotcha. Um, I, I mean, you look at the ones that make sense, like right for mischief makes sense uh, with those turf numbers. And then towards the outside, what was that? The, uh, the 12 spoofy off of that trip, uh, broke a little slow was wide all the way around there. 
for for Charlie Baker makes sense as well. But I just, I just, I can't. I just, I just don't think they're going to do that. Gotcha. Well, there's some ideas though. If that does in fact happen, and that's it, J.K. We've gone through this uh, pick six on Alabama Saturday. When are you when are you working? Are you early or, or late on Saturday? I am. Uh, I'm late. Yeah. It's, it's our it's our second to last Fox show. The three hour shows we've been doing on Fox. So um, I'm on from like probably three to six. And then, um, and then, yeah, the next week is Travers and then closing weekend, we don't have one. So, um, should be, it should be a ton of fun. What, how different is your job when you're on the big network versus the, the, the regular Fox? Does it change what you have to do at all or how you prepare? No, not at all. I mean, I kind of naturally do it anyways, which I think, you know, they kind of appreciate, which is to try to, to understand that the, the people that are watching, um, could be casual sports fans. And so, you know, I don't like plan to say things, but there is times where I try to relate certain things to mainstream sports. For instance, the other day that Larry Ravelli horse, um, that, that was drawn in the 11 hole that Irad was riding that, uh, I believe was a first time starter. There were yep. six siblings that all had hundred early pace figures in their races. And so I said, this horse has a ton of early speed. Think of it in the football terms of this horse has six siblings that could run four, two, 40, four, two forties. She's going to pop away from there and make the lead. And she did, she did, she did her job to make me look like I knew what the hell I was talking about, but That's just, great. you know, stuff like that to just try to relate it to, 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 to sports. Yeah, not dumbing it down at all. Just giving a, like a way in for people. Just saying it differently instead of yeah. being like, you know, talking too much insider baseball you kind of leave people behind so yes um yeah that, that's basically it for me that's there no 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 real difference there i mean look just a little bit more insight like you you, you know you, you try not to say sired by it. you try to say this horse's father was you oh, know you, you 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 try not to say in for a tag you you, you know you can say things like you know this, this horse is in for a, a claiming tag and is for sale like the other horses in this race um, one thing that we try not to say, because it's very, very confusing if you're not a racing person, is broke their maiden. Yes. It yeah. sounds horrible, and they don't really know what they're saying. I try not to say whip. I try to say crop. Um, you know, you try not to say dumb things like suicidal pace. You know, just, you just you just try to you, you try to present it in a way where people that don't know don't get confused. I think that sounds great. And uh, you do similar on these airwaves from, from time to time as well. Well, we appreciate you very much and we'll watch you on Fox this weekend. want to thank our founding partners, 10 strike racing and also the thoroughbred retirement foundation. I did find some more bottles of whiskey and now I actually found some labels for them. So if you give to the TRF, I will send you a bottle. 200 bucks are suggested donation for that and mention you want the whiskey go over to trfinc.org slash players to get that one done. Um, who else want to thank all of you for listening, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show has been a production of in the money media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos.
Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Kentucky Downs. Get tied on for another record fan duel meet at Kentucky Downs. Here are the dates. August 31st, September 2nd, 3rd, 7th, 9th, 10th, and 13th in Franklin, Kentucky, just off exit 2 off I-65. Thanks to the KTDF, Kentucky Downs pays some of the biggest purses on the planet, including the world's highest maiden races at 150000 for Kentucky Breads. The meet features 11 stakes worth at least $1 million while offering the largest fields and best jockeys and trainers. Reserved seats are on sale now. The Mint, KentuckyDowns.com is the website. There's also ways to get free admission and do tailgating. There's Unique, and then there's Kentucky Downs.